All right, you bunch of yahoos, strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. And welcome back, folks, to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. I would normally be introducing my other half, you know, the that that dastardly mustachioed who, who hides ham sandwiches and stuff like that up into his mustache every time. Mr. Don Fry, the predator, but you know, it's a little too late for Don. He got a little sweepy, you know. So <laughs> he had some fun kind of buried me a little bit earlier. Well, he's not here, so we get to say whatever we want behind his back. So shh, as we move on. Tonight's guest, we have Mr. Jeremy Elliott. He is all the way from Ontario, Canada. Uh, via the Zoom that we are, that so much, so many different things are taking place now via the internet. And Jeremy Ellett is a combination that he's a martial artist, he's a professional wrestler, uh, just an all-around good guy is really is what, what he is. And uh, we're going to be talking about a, a number of different things, uh, martial arts, his own personal training, what he does. But then tonight, the big thing is, Jeremy has a match coming up with Mr. Suzuki, and we'll be putting up some pictures and stuff like that. But we'll start we'll start in here, Jeremy, and then we'll just say hello to the folks, and we'll kind of start moving in here with questions. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for the introduction, sir. And uh, yeah, thanks for you and Tony having me on. Uh, yeah, sorry that uh, Mr. Fry could not make it, but. Uh, Hey, we'll be doing this again. So it's a pleasure I'm, to talk to you guys this evening. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. And, and again, we're at different time zones, all three of us, because Jeremy's back in, even though he's in Canada, Ontario, he's on Eastern Standard Time. I was at Eastern Standard Time earlier this morning doing my work. Thus, you might be seeing. I got my grubbies here on still because they just got into my hotel room and uh, jumping online to where the show must go on is what what it has to do. And uh, Tony is back in Arizona, so we're in three different time zones here right now, but we're making things happen, no matter what, because that's what we do, right? And Don's sleeping with his bottle. Yes, his little, <laughs> his, his binky and his bank, his banky, yeah, and probably with, uh, well, again, I don't know who snores worse. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a close one. <laughs> they go back and forth. Don has... A uh, a bulldog by the name of Quinn, and you know, if you ask Don, it's his his number one love in his life is is his his bulldog. But I've actually spent the night there a few different times at Don's, and I'm like, what is that racket noise I'm hearing right now? I mean, it's like it's like you know, snore and snore and snore and snore. And I open, and I I look at the Don's room, and, and there there she is sleeping right on, on the bed right there. She's snoring up a storm. Don's snoring up a storm like a wow. Dueling banjos right there, except it's just dueling snoring is all it is. So. <laughs> Always a good time. Yep. All right. So, Jeremy Ellett, we first, you and I first met, gosh, how many years back now would this be? It's got to be at least a decade plus, probably more like 15 or more years ago now. It's probably in and around closer to 15 than a decade. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And it's all, we, we met originally through. Professional wrestling, wasn't it? Or was it through the martial arts? I think the first time we ever got together was a combo weekend. Uh, I really think we did some 
seminars together on the uh, amateur wrestling side. And then we, uh, the next day, I think we went out to a pro wrestling show. So I think that's the very first time. It was yeah. uh, through both aspects. Well, good. I don't, I don't rely on my, uh, my mind to remember anything anymore. Just, just too many things just keep on happening. But, but the reality is, your your first profession was professional wrestling, or or or, or no, actually, you, you were a martial artist prior to being the. Give us a scoop. Which one were you first? Was it was it, was yes. it the egg, the chicken, or the egg? Here right now. I was a martial artist first. I've been doing martial arts since I was seven years old. Uh, I was the typical kid who sat in the movie theater and, you know, I saw Daniel son holding up his trophy. And I'm like, ah, I looked at my mom and I said, Hey, that's what I want to do. And I've been doing it ever since. And, uh, it just ended up, I was, uh, what's called an Uki. And so we were performing choreographed fights and I was traveling, uh, all over North America, uh, being the bump guy. And so it just so happened that I crossed paths with professional wrestling my mom was always a fan. My grandma was always a fan. So I was naturally a fan. But then uh, when I found a local uh, pro wrestling academy, I figured, you know what? This is going to be a great opportunity because I can take the best of my worlds and combine them. I can use this pro wrestling and put it into my martial arts. And then soon enough, I brought my martial arts to the pro wrestling world. And like people like yourself, it's just they go hand in hand. Yes, they do. Okay, so what was your, your very first martial art that you jumped into? I, I know you said it, but I, I missed it just. It was, it was what? So I grew up doing a mix of traditional karate as well as Japanese jiu-jitsu. Those were my first two arts and my first two black belts. Okay, so basically you, you were learning striking arts, but you also learning grappling arts. So you're, you're being the, 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 the complete martial artist. Absolutely. And since day one, that's what I was uh, taught. And I still firmly love and believe it to this day. Um, I think the striking and the grappling combinations is just a must for anybody. It's, it's, it's fun, you know, especially when you're teaching kids love to punch and kick things. It's a great energy release. And then of course you can still do the wrestling and jujitsu side of things, which, uh, you know, is your more self-defense oriented bullying stuff. Yeah. Well, again, when you look at young people now, how many young people really engage any kind of true physical activities anymore? It's very hard. And hey, you and Tony are in the States and it's been quite different, especially for me up here in Canada. You can recall last year, I had you do a Zoom presentation just for the kids and yes. adults because we weren't even live in training, let alone actually allowed to do the physical contacts. Um, so the kids have missed it. And it's something that needs to be pushed back into society. Like our our communities need this this culture back, and we need to cultivate it ourselves as our leaders. Yes, though. Well, again, uh, I call it lack of leadership worldwide anymore. You know mm -hmm. that that is taking place. That no, no one country has uh, top billing or the other. We have just total lack of leadership across the board. And uh, hopefully, uh, <laughs> with some elections that are coming up, the uh, things will start turning back around, and we can get back to the the world as we once knew it, where we're actually out and engaging and interacting with folks, actually shaking hands, making contact, the whole nine yards. Mm. It's so. Yeah, well, I, I could go off onto that one. Uh, That's a different I, I, podcast, by the yes, sound. Yes, 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 absolutely. I'm sure yes. we could.
Our All side's right. not any better, so we need to continue. That's why, you know, sometimes it's not even looking to the the leaderships at the top. Is we just got to do what we can. No, it, exactly. We, we can we can do we can do things in our own local communities and to where we take we take our own leadership. We take we, we take control of our our own destiny. And uh, you know, are we doing things wrong? No, we're not. We're no. getting people outside. We're we're getting our sunlight. We're making we're interacting with people. You know, this uh, vast era is over and nobody simply said you know it's over they all but everyone was good about saying it's all on but uh but mm -hmm. uh anyway let's get back to i when i first met you you were actually you you were renting and stuff like that but now you're an owner a whole different uh a whole different feeling right now rent you know you don't own nothing so it's kind of like you kind of feel like you're throwing money away but now being an owner how does that make you feel all, it's amazing, especially to, you know, see where I came from and, you know, all the ups and downs as we always, uh, we all have in our lives to be able to actually, you know, have a property that is mine. Like you said, we're not paying rent anymore. This is something that as a business owner, we always dream about and it's an investment for my future. And it's just been fantastic to be able to do it. We're right by the riverside. Like I can look out my window and see the water. We have two floors of training, a little weight room, and uh, it's just great. We can all call it home and uh, yeah, pushing onwards and forwards. No, that's uh, again, it's just, I, I can just hear it in your voice, pride of ownership. And uh, that's, to me, it's like you'll, you, you'll spend way more time down there than you'll ever spend at your home because Really, the reality is it, it it's a secondary home, but you'll still spend more time there. I know I spend more time in my training facility than I do in, in my home because it's you're there, you make the phone calls, you send up emails, text messages, the whole nine yards, but then you're over there, you know, a little painting up this, a little fix up there, trying to make uh what's the new idea, what's the new class that, that you can add. So Yeah, well know. the good news is for me, my property's all in one, so I'm actually sitting in my house now. So oh, really? uh, yeah, connected through that door down some stairs. Uh, the Academy's right here as well. So it's an all in one property. Uh, so I lucked out. So I don't have much uh, of a drive to work in the morning. So. Okay. Should be late now. <laughs> <laughs> no well, I mean, well, that's cool. Is it, is, is the, is the, the, the like, uh, is like a, do you have like a two bedroom? Is it one bedroom type of a studio apartment or, or what what do you have it, it was somebody's apartment. house it was somebody's house attached with the store so what i did was i kept the upstairs part of their house uh turned the store into mats for the upstairs uh training room we already had an office set up that he had and then i took his downstairs which would have been his man cave and storage and all that and i just gutted it and that's where i put the second floor i turned the whole basement into a little raised elevated wrestling floor and then put a, a weight room where he used to do uh, storage and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's an all-in-one. It's great. Well, we'll get well. Speak about some of the different services that you or, or classes that you offer right there. You know, what again? What's the name of the place if, if people want to simply look up on the website or something like of that nature? Yeah. So absolutely, anybody uh, who's in this Niagara region can look us up at UnitedFamilyMartialArts.com. Uh, it's 3883 Main Street, Niagara Falls. And uh, yeah, ufmaniagara.com. 
for any information. We run all the programs like we were just talking about, striking programs, grappling programs. Uh, the kids who, when they first start their journey, I actually really encourage them to get a whole well-rounded education. So we start them off and we're striping their belts with their kickboxing techniques, uh, with their wrestling techniques. And as they go to the next belt, they learn new kickboxing, new wrestling uh, techniques. So we're always trying to just add on to their striking and grappling abilities as they go. Is it always like when you work with the kids, do you, do you always do like a, a basically a split session so you know that you spend a little bit of time on the grappling portion, then, then a little bit of time then on, on the, the striking portion so that they're getting the best of both worlds? Yes, absolutely. You know, most of the kids are coming three times a week. So throughout the week, they're going to get a little bit of each, you know, some days we may have to focus, uh, you know, one day may just be the, the guard passing or something like that as a focus. Another day, uh, like today, we spent time just on boxing and working on boxing defense. So, but by the time they've gone through a whole month, they've seen all the different curriculum and then they can just recycle it again the following month as well. No, okay, that's a fantastic what you're doing there again for kids. Um, I know we had some, some, some other conversations a little bit previously. Um, do you have... You, with the, the ability that you have right now, you, you've got, you said you've got multiple rooms, so multiple classes. So, I mean, while you've got a kids class going, can like moms and dads be doing, because a lot of times moms and dads, they bring their children there. And I know at like a lot of martial arts studios, a lot of times the parents just sit there and watch. But uh, if you can get the best of both worlds to where kids are doing a class, then mom or dad could do something for them in the, your weight room or something like that. Or if there's a, some striking bags or, or things that you kind of showed where they could utilize the equipment, you know, and, and some type of additional charge, you're getting the best of both worlds. Do you have those kind of programs as well? Yes, absolutely. We do have an adult fitness and kickboxing program. And that's exactly uh, how you're saying it. The moms come on down and they work on their, uh, they like to hit things too. They take out their aggressions of the world and punch and kick the bags and stuff. And then, yeah, it's great to do introductions of weight, uh, lifting for them as well um so when the kids are training they can be coming downstairs and working out as well so absolutely I, I, used to, I, used to, I used to tell the moms and dads i go you could bring you could bring it in a picture of one of your significant others and you yes you can put it up on the bag and you can go crazy at that point in time because you're just taking out the bag so that you you go back home you're more serene and calm mm -hmm. <laughs> in yeah. your mind you can have all the, the thoughts you're going to at that point in time but uh, take out your aggression on the heavy bags and hand it to things that nature and then be at peace <laughs> our, our memberships are cheaper than marriage counseling is what we always say <laughs> <laughs> love it love it love cheaper, it cheaper than home wall repairs see Yes, that's too. And you don't break your hand uh, with the, the wall punch sometimes. You know, you put the glove on, you're a little bit safe there. Okay, but Tony, I will put you on a spot there. What is, when, when, when anytime I talk about relationships and stuff like that, what's one of the first things that Don will always say? Especially if you think about Bring getting up. married. Bring up. Yeah. <laughs> Get your bring up. There you go. That, that That's. Yeah, uh, Jeremy, uh, Don's a big advocate. I, I think he must wants to be an attorney down the road because he always uh, talks about relationships and always saying, make concerned that, that you have a prenup in place. So. <laughs> Does he have a note from experience? Is this, a, is you this know, a I, I mean, I, I do believe there might be a, a little bit of, some, of a learning curve in there, you know, but <laughs> yeah. if you were to ask Don, Don would probably, uh, yeah, just. 
Yeah, not a real big advocator of uh, marriage at this juncture of in life. So, hey, we all learn from experience, don't we? Exactly. Well, that's one of the best teachers right there. When you realize you just lost half of your stuff, yeah. Yeah. that's a real quick recognition. Oh yeah, not too often do you make the the, the same uh, same mistake twice, and there's uh I'll just say in, in, in the United States, going through some of those kind of things, it's uh, it's a little lopsided the scales because a lot of times the scales are really tipped into a female's favor just because you know usually the female is more of a, a, a nurturer. You know, mm -hmm. the mother in the sinks more of the nurturer, you know, the the the, the pops is there, he's usually he's uh, the one that's trying to bring bring home the bacon, you know, try to try to support. Anymore, like inside the United States, um, it takes two people's income. You can't live off of one person's income anymore. Uh, you know, moms still you know, they'll take their maternity leave, but uh, as soon as they get back to to work, and you know, they really have to to work. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad that that has happened to the the family place because in, in a lot of ways kids really don't get the attention that they that they need at home and they don't they don't get the the parental kind of upbringing so a lot of times when they're at school or if they're at their martial arts uh school or any other extracurricular type activities they may be spending more time with their friends and they're being influenced by their friends whether that's good bad or different or if they're over at their friend's parents home or something like that and may not be running the same type of household that you might be, be running free play. So there's the dynamics of a normal household has changed significantly over the years where, you know, the television or the laptop has become the babysitter, or I should say more appropriately, the, the cell phone has become the babysitter because there's so much stuff on here. They should be propped on up and they can throw on a movie and uh, boom. Entertainment, there. right? It's their yes. entertainment hub right there. Yeah. Well, I, I see that with, with, with my own, um, with my own kids that have their family started. So I've got you know five grandkids already. So I've seen it amongst them to where it's easy for them to prop up a little uh, cell phone and, the, and it's got the, one of their little favorite little shows that they, they like to watch and they, they literally you see them simply just going you and, and then they go they just get sucked right into that uh, that mechanical device whereas Jerry when, when you were a youth what what did you what what did your mom and dad basically I mean did they allow you to stay in the house uh, well no first of all we were out um I always laugh. I, I tell this story all the time that so uh, the neighborhood kids and I would always, you know, we'd be out doing stuff. And so my grandfather, he had an antique store here in town. And one afternoon he pulled up to our backyard with a box filled with boxing gloves that he had bought at a garage sale. And he just dropped them off and all the neighborhood kids, we put the gloves on and we had tag team boxing matches in the backyard. And uh, it was the best. It's such a fond memory, but that would never fly today. Like there's no way uh, that anybody yeah. would allow these kids to be beating each other up in the backyard. I, I, I mean, grandpa, did he show you, did he show you any aspects of it? You just simply just dropped out yeah. the box and then, 
Uh, you just basically, you, you, you guys had watched enough television to know that you put gloves on and you start going after each other, beep-bop with each other. So That's it. Like I said, I, I don't know where we got any concepts from. We're Like I said, we're doing a tag team tournament, so that's obviously a wrestling thing. It's not even a boxing thing. But then we know we got boxing gloves, so we're just punching. So, yeah, we'll figure it out. We're going to teach ourselves. You know, it'd be the same thing. You know, here's a bat and a ball, and yeah, we're going to figure out how to throw it or how to hit it and – Go from there. Is that exploring? But that's that's what the kids are missing today. My biggest thing and my yes. biggest concern is the you know the creativity to explore. They're not encouraged to explore and be creative, and that that's where they're going to find some of their biggest strengths is out there exploring. And they need to be encouraged to do that. And they just happen to not because, as you were saying, like they're spending six hours a day, five days a week in the same four walls and. Uh, that's a tough thing. So they got to be a lot more encouraged to get out there and explore oh, and uh, find themselves. And, and, but again, when you look at the rise of, uh, of uh, kids being depressed, and again, only because they don't have that physical outlet. They're not getting out there. They're not running around blowing the stink off themselves. I mean, it just, there, there was that time where basically early in the morning, you're out the door. And, and a lot of times, I mean, uh, you, you can't, you had to go back home when the streetlights we're coming right back and you better get your butt back home because the streetlights are coming on. And again, just all depends if you're a city kid or if you're, you're a country kid. So we basically would be outdoors almost all day long until, okay, it's starting to get dark. We got to be getting back to home. Well, well, so we talked about weights uh, a little bit. And so I actually have um, a lot of times where I spend teaching kids how to do weightlifting. Cause it's once again, that's something I think should also be taught in the elementary schools. Well, okay. Um, but, but at what age, okay, what, what age do you think it's appropriate for kids to be doing weightlifting exercises as opposed to body weight exercises? Uh, to be honest, I think very young. I think between like the, the Russian textbooks and the Bulgarian textbooks, they would be introducing the most simplest things at eight to 10 years old. Really? And I don't see why not. Like, so I actually have one young man, he's six, and I laugh because. He is a superstar. I taught him how to do a deadlift. All he had was this small, thin PVC pipe. I hung a couple of chains on it, which was probably about 12 pounds. And man, the six-year-old, boom, he's he's pulling the PVC pipe. And I'm like, there, the six-year-old knows how to deadlift. like that, that. And now that translates because, okay, hey, find your wrestling stance. Show me how you hinge at those hips. Get your hands up. And it translates the same thing, you know, Um I think strength needs to be taught. Like it's something. So if you look at like shot put, for example, shot put is a wicked sport. It's great to do, but you can teach five, six year olds. You can have a five, six year old division where they're just throwing that little tiny one pound beanbag, you know, uh -huh. and, but get them the techniques, get them the fundamentals. And once they have that, you know, and then they start training and stuff by the time they hit high school and they start throwing that 16 pound shot, Boom, they have way because they've done it, you know. And so I think that's why if we want sports to grow, if we want all of our other things to grow, I think the strength training and weightlifting needs to be a part of it. And I think we can because as we were just talking about with kids, there is nothing. If we were outside and, you know, hey, somebody said, I think I can lift that rock. And no, nah, you can't lift that rock. And well, watch me. I'm going to go pick it up. And there is no, uh, oh, you better be careful. You might hurt yourself. You might throw your back out. No, I'm I'm gonna go pick this rock up or I'm not. And then okay, yeah, well, a lot a lot of times it's the fact that you challenge somebody that's like going somehow 
Somehow you're going to think mechanically how I'm going to actually pick up that rock. I mean, you know, it's like, doggone it. He kind of challenged me. I'm going to pick this rock up no matter what here at, at this point. And sometimes that's, you have to teach people, you got to have that that type of that boneheaded attitude to see it through. You're not going to have failure. Failure is not an option. You know? There's your creativity again. You're going to yeah. become creative to see how we can figure this out. And that's great because then you get stronger and you grow it's not yep. about it's not about how much you can pick up. It's about the technique at a younger age, about how to learn how to do it to get to the weight. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's where a lot of you know coaches. I don't I don't know if they understand it themselves. So maybe that's why they can't teach it. But uh, you're right, Tony. It, it is hundred percent. Like if you're deadlifting wrong, you're not going to see those results, and you might hurt yourself early on, right? Like if you try to lift too heavy. But that's where the supervision and the coaches do come in. You got to have coaches who can really nurture that and make sure they keep doing it correctly. Watching the the technique and all the aspects. Now, see, like in the States, we used to have this thing called the Presidential Physical Fitness Awards, where there were standards. You had to be able to run, jump, push-ups. I mean, there was half a dozen different things. I remember that like when I was in junior high. That was a big deal to get that presidential physical fitness patch that you achieved all of that you were able to do all this. Yeah, I remember those. They that, would they check on your fat, everything. They would check your fat percentage of everything yeah. on your body. And okay, but Tony, Tony, when's the last time that's been spoken about in the uh, United States? I think when I was in like junior high. I think the last time I, yeah, I, I, I think it's been almost a couple of decades that uh, Jeremy, it it's not even spoken about because. The bar continues to lower. You don't, uh, want, to, when, you don't it, want to hurt people's feelings and tell them that they're not in good shape, or well, you know, yeah, but more someone can do more than I can. You know, no, yeah. everyone everyone deserves a ribbon nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that, that's again that, that that's part of this. We don't want we don't want we don't want to hurt people's feelings. To me, it's like going someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, and that's where now, like Tony just said, everyone can say participation ribbon trophy medal, and to me, it's like going. You know, being from the wacky world of professional wrestling, that's where I would like to take on that heel character and just have that rubber stamp and go, hey, dude, you're nothing but a loser. You know, just tattoo that that forward. Come back better when, you know, you get you got, got your band pants on or got, got your big girl pants on and, and you might well do, do a little better. I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe, so funny. Maybe that I shouldn't we, be that person. <laughs> no, no. It's so funny that we are we're kind of almost the opposite, right? Like Canada is the same. We don't have any fitness standards. It's not encouraged. Like even I think the structures of sports doesn't happen. The introduction to sports doesn't happen. And and I think that's just a shame. But like, you know, you're bringing the top people down instead of trying to push the bottom people up. You know, I love stressing, you know, like our class, our team is as strong as its weakest link. It's our job. That's where I got to take that top guy. And you know what? Hey, this guy's having some struggles. Go help him. Go bring him up. This person now learns how to be a leader. This person gets stronger. And as they get stronger, they gain confidence. And at some point, they're going to be able to now do it with somebody else because they're going to remember, oh, hey, somebody helped me. Now I'm going to go help somebody out. And now we're constantly bringing up you know, everybody's coming up. The strength is coming up. The confidence yeah. is coming up. And that's what we need. We're, we're failing to do that. Failure in our education system. Like our edu- this education starts with kids going to school. They need to be taught like, like normal, normal things in life. 
about how to be a man, change a tire, uh, do your do your freaking taxes. You know, people don't people don't oh, show no, kids how to but, how to bring a regular me, life and important. I, I, I want to wake up. I want to wake up in the morning and identify as as, as a fourteen year old girl now. Well, you can, Dan. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I could put a little little barrettes in my hair, and, uh, and then I can participate in girls' sports. I'm a loser as a male in the, you know powerlifting, but uh, you know now as a female, a newly recognized female, Daniela, I I I I rule the world now. Yeah, number one. To me, it's like Jeremy. I don't know if you got this kind of stuff happening in your country, but that's what's happening in the United States. Yeah. Where... Well, once again, uh, Canada. I just find that we're so lacking of sports um we i don't think i've personally seen it happen up here in canada as much but like you obviously know it's happening um and but like so once again as tony said it's the education system in general uh only because their their goals are different like they're not really teaching these kids to face adversity um yeah when you're starting to talk about the simple things like a lease like i didn't know what signing a lease was when I was first trying to uh, open up a facility and that cost me a lot of money because I took a man in his handshake at one point and thought I had a facility, but. Well, you, you, you that's sad that you can't still do that. That, that was an acceptable contract at what time era, but today's society, you got to yeah. have triplicate uh, paperwork. And even then that you can go to a lawsuit and it's still going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some money, even though you eventually prevail, but even paper, proper documentation doesn't even protect you. So a saying that we have here that my kids always talk about is we, we use the term embrace the suck all the time. And that's just, you know, they got to be faced with adversity. They got to be faced with the, the struggle, you know, a strength is built that way. Same thing as we were just talking about weightlifting. Where do I build my strength when I'm struggling to get that bench press up? And then the same thing. And, you know, you have uh, how many fights under your belt? There's been times where there's adversity, but oh, you're not just going to give yes. up and quit. You're going to continue to fight. And that's why martial arts is also so great for kids because that's what they should be learning. And right from the education system, again, they spend six hours a day, five days a week there. That's It needs to be taught. The martial arts world is what I say. It's the last frontier where true character traits are being taught. Everything that you talked about, they're phenomenal character traits. You're taking people to look, you know, they're not going to be successful at everything they do, so they have to realize that. But then also you have them line up. They bow in to you. They're always like, you know, yes and say, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, but but again, these are great character traits that, you know, when you go into, again, I'm, I'm looking at American schools because I don't know what, what they're like in Canada schools, but in American schools, when kids, they're, if you're not a, if you're not a strong teacher, the kids are going to just run over you. And, and then, but then corporal punishment is gone out of the school system, been gone for, for decades to where now a kid like you touch me and my parents are going to sue, you know, and stuff like this. And, and and the kids think that they can get away with saying everything. I still remember the days of walking in classrooms where that paddle was proudly on display and it might even say onto it, Board of Education. <laughs> and if you got out of line, that teacher brought you right up to, in front of the class, would light you up for maybe a couple, two, three swats, kind of embarrass you and stuff like that to where, did you act up again? No, because there were 
consequences to your actions. Yeah, I was just going to say consequences to your actions. That's yeah. exactly right. But when, you know, when, when people keep going, so no, little Billy, don't do that. No, little Julie, don't do that. That, you know, sooner or later, just words, are, what, what, what are they going to do for hurting the kids? Take a time out. Oh, gee, I don't want to work here anyway. So, you know, sure, give me a time out. There's but, somewhat but, of a disconnect right now, too, I think, with like, you know, you got a lot of great teachers, but because they have to follow whatever the government or the systems are trying to make them follow, there's sometimes a little bit of handcuffed. And because of that, I don't know if they get necessarily that full bond at all times with the kids because they're not teaching to the individual either. There's no individuality in schools where it's just here. Here's what the curriculum is and here's what uh, the government says you need to do for your standardized testing or whatever. And it's just generic and kids aren't like that. Like no kids the same. They don't learn the same. They're not going to express themselves the same. They don't feel the same. So how can we just teach them so generic and, you know, make them just regurgitate information. They, they, they get bored with that too easy. Yep. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to reject because uh, I mean, some, some folks might, as this, this clip is being aired, uh, I, so I always kind of mentioned right now that we're here speaking with uh, Jeremy Elliott, and he is the owner of United Martial Arts, located right there in uh, Niagara. Niagara Falls, Canada, yep. Niagara Falls, Canada. Have you and Dan, did you guys ever wrestle each other? Have a match against each other? No, we've never had a one-on-one -on -one singles match. I believe every time we've been on the card together, it's uh, – you know, we're always the good guys getting cheered. So until he did that, that heel turn he's talking about, uh, I don't know if we'll, ha we'll have a match. Well, you know, I just want to do that because I up. just think that, that that's a lot of Turn fun. On you. Uh, being, <laughs> yeah. well, well, obviously, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun being being the heel character in, in the first place. I mean, it's, it's the easiest character. Even if you even if you break character, you start laughing. You can start going into that. <laughs> I'm not laughing with you, folks. I'm laughing at you. You know, and then you can go into some type of a heel type of thing. But that's kind of the the fun part about being a heel. You, there's really is no wrong. Sometimes it's hard as a baby face to stay in character because, you know, that heel keeps pushing it to the limits of, oh, I just want to strike back, but you can't because, again, there's a, there's a psychology to bringing a match up. So if you want, you know, that you, the crowd gets behind you, and so you bring them up, you let them down a little bit, you bring them up a little further, you bring them down, and then, boom, you pop it, and uh, there's just, there's just a, a nice little rhythm to it, but there's a skill set that comes with that as well. And you have to do it all through your actions and your body language and your facial expressions. Mm -hmm. Yep, hundred percent. So you're you're a baby face, uh, Jeremy. Yes, Tony. Yeah, I'm a baby face. Uh, for most of my career, I definitely have. Um, maybe when I first started a little bit, um, I was more of a heel, and even actually at one point uh, was under a little bit of a mask as well, but. This last, uh, the last over 10 plus years now, baby face. Like I said, I think it goes hand in hand with, you know, I've been Jeremy Elliott, you know, sensei's out there. The kids are cheering, you know, I've got the, the values that I'm trying to teach. So I think it just went hand in hand, which is natural baby face. Yeah. You kind of like a gimmick of like, are you like a martial arts teacher or what's your, what yeah, you I'm just me. I wear uh my my a gi top mm -hmm. and my belt to the ring uh mma shorts and a rash guard uh most times i've i've gone 
you know, different times. Sometimes I'll wear long spats. Sometimes I'm wearing the uh, kickboxing Muay Thai tights. Um, for this upcoming show at the Meridian Center, I have uh, Valley Tudo. I'm going old school Valley Tudo uh, tights and stuff. So, yeah, but will it's you, all around a martial arts gimmick. Will you be wearing like Donnie, like gloves too, like like MMA gloves that are fingerless, something that you can actually grapple, maybe throw strikes and things of that nature? Uh, no, being okay. uh, like, even on the you know pro wrestling side and, and pancreas side, no gloves, uh, strikes, whether they're palm strikes and forearms and chops and all of that, kicks, full kicks. So yeah, I'm just wearing my wrestling boots, my Valley Tudo tights. And away we go, whether we're striking or grappling. Uh, we'll see where it goes. All right. We've been talking about the martial arts aspect right now, but you've got this big match that's coming up against Suzuki. So what is the actual date of this match that's coming up? Yeah, so it's the absolute biggest match of my career. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, October 30th. It's a Sunday night. October 30th, St. Catharines, Ontario, and it's at our arena, the Meridian Center. And so we're hoping to pack a couple thousand people into the arena. And uh, this is Minoru Suzuki's first time in Canada. So we're here. Really? First time? He's never been to Canada. So I get to be his opponent. And uh, like I said, when we look up and down, you know, he's the the king of Pancrase, one of the founders of Pancrase. New Japan, all Japan champion, Noah champion. Uh, he trained, you know, in Florida for so many years uh, under so many catches, catch can wrestling legends. And uh, so he's like one of us where he is such a pro wrestler and an MMA fighter. And it doesn't make any difference. It's all the same to him. And I want to help, you know, show that this is the style of pro wrestling that, it's my vision for what we do as well. And I want to just show that, Hey, in Canada, here we are. And we do it the right way as well. This is how we do it. No, very, very good. Because again, if you, I just know that learned the, the, the normal professional style, it's a very, it's a very light type of a style, but you, you still see a lot of high spots. You see a lot more clotheslines. You see a lot more European uppercuts, things of that nature. And, uh, uh, chops are always big, but I still think that e- e- even in a pancreas style match, I still see European uppercuts would be good because again, it shows a great physicality to it. Uh, I-, I still say fans like chops, no matter what, whether you chop it to the chest or if you pop that back. I mean, it's uh, it- and it's uh, it's just the way that they uh, it, it stings pretty good, but the, again, it's pretty easy to, to sell a chop to the to the chest or a chop to the back. That's for sure. Oh, and the back one—if you don't see the back one coming, it sucks. <laughs> what's your yeah. What's your signature move, Jeremy, and, and finisher? So my finisher is a rolling heel hook. So um, I throw my jujitsu right there. I try to throw a lot of jujitsu into my matches because it's once again, it's something that's not quite done you know you see so many technical wrestlers like you see some great technicians who come out of like let's say the british style and stuff like that well i've tried to really bring the and more modern jujitsu not just because you know there's a lot of great as i mentioned already catches catch can grappling submissions but um to be able to you know pull into the ashy garamis and the x guards and those sweeps and stuff like that to you know play around a little bit more with them and have an audience who really doesn't 
know that and has never seen it in pro wrestling uh for me to get it across to them um i, I think it's fantastic so i really like trying to use uh that and so my submit submission based game has been uh very effective um as my finishing move yeah i mean and again if this match uh, I, I know we've talked about this before tony uh in uh, some other previous type interviews but you know like the japanese audience Although they're they're kind of a quiet audience, they're a very educated audience. To where one day finally do see you know a submission lock hold or something like that. There's a great appreciation. They, almost like in unison, you hear them all go, "Oh," and then they all applaud and things of that nature. So they're they're, they're much more, I would say, studious. Res of, they're of, more of the respectful, match. respectful of the technique and what you guys are doing. They are, and they totally understand it as the sport because they've seen it and they recognize these moves because it's the same thing over there like how many people have done new japan pro wrestling but also done you know pride uh, don fry for example mr fry was uh the late antonio Inoki's last opponent um he, i think i always look at uh obviously don fry gets the Every match they always refer to as Takayama, and they're just fighting and punching. And yeah. Takayama, hey, he did the UWF. He was Suzuki's tag team partner. He was the NOAA champion. He fought Suzuki for 40 minutes in a NOAA championship match. Actually, I believe, uh, Mr. Severin, you, you fought Takayama in UWF, if, uh, if I'm correct as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. so again, yeah, I was part of that whole operation right there. And uh, I, I remember when he first showed up. You know, so he was yeah. very young when I think he fought yes. comparative to when he got in, but it just shows the, the the contrast in Japan where all of those are the same thing. They're all sports and they're all recognized. Where over here, it's it's sometimes two different worlds. You don't get the UFC guys watching pro wrestling, or you don't necessarily get. I, I teach a lot too. I coach uh, a lot of pro wrestling now on Saturday afternoons, and so many of the guys uh, who they just know WWE and they want to be a pro wrestler, but to talk to them about amateur wrestling or actual jujitsu or UFC, they don't necessarily have the same comparison. So um, I think it's great to be able to try to incorporate all of that yeah. and get people uh, to see it. You definitely have more of that here in the United States because the, the, the crossover athlete is been seen. I mean, you know, when, when uh, both Ken Shabrak and I went from uh, the WWF, you know, uh, I should say going from the UFC to the WWF. At that time, the uh, the UFC was not really known all that well. And, uh, you know, small, small viewing audience as, as it was. You know, Ken, when he, when he went in there, he was simply just known as the world's most dangerous man. And, but it, it didn't, but, but, you know, I came in there, I had, I came in there with two, two different title belts. I had the NWA belt, which is for the National Wrestling Alliance, and then I had a UFC title belt, but I had, Jim Cornette as my mouthpiece. I was never going to be that strong, cut promos type of an athlete, but basically I had Jim Cornette, which was a great voice for that type of, of aspect, and then all I simply had to do was go out there and just take care of business is all I had to do. So, you know, having an amateur background, it was hard sometimes working with some of these guys because, you know, I'm hitting actual private carries i'm hitting with headlocks i'm hitting with russian two-on-ones and all kinds of, of, of foot sweeps because i you know, i had a little bit of a judo background i learned how to use my, my legs as a second pair of arms and so it was like they saw a lot of wrestling and that's sometimes always jim Cornette loved it because the marquee says professional 
wrestling. Doesn't simply say talk me to death. Doesn't say sit there and flex, flex, flex all time. I mean, let's give us some wrestling every now and then. So you have to, and I joke about that a lot. That like they're learning a four fifty splash or this RKO, but then you know, okay, waist lock. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> like, yeah. You're wrestling, kid. Yeah, like th- this has to happen. Yeah. Well, the, the funny part about them, when you say the uh, the 450 and stuff like that, like what I always would tell whoever I was working with, I go, if you ever see the, if you ever see Dan ever climb up on the second rope, please attack me because I have a fear of height. <laughs> <laughs> if I get to the top rope and you expect me to jump off the splash, somebody's like that. No, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's, no. that's not my, it's not my, my, my forte. I, I'll let, I'll let the flyers do all that kind of stuff, but you know, that's what makes wrestling great though. You know, what's the funny thing that I uh, love about it. It's like going to a, you know, an all you can eat buffet and you have a smorgasbord of anything. And so anytime somebody goes to a pro wrestling show, you're going to get exactly that. And that's, what's really awesome about it. You can get a, a strong style match, a, a, a English technical match. You can get the, the high flying Lucha style as well. And so you can cater to just about anybody and then they can appreciate those, those styles. Tony, did you see me wiping a tear from my eye as nope, Jeremy mentions about the buffet? You know, nope. I, I I love the buffet. <laughs> that's, that's Dan's favorite thing. Yes, it is. Uh, got to come back to food. There's nothing that you can't relate to food, right? Well, the yeah. old ladies need to watch out when Dan walks in the buffet. Yeah, that kind. Of, I mean, he throws elbows. Kind of, yeah, but see, because I told you, I have my own AARP card now, so they just oh. said I, I could, I could, I could elbow that oh, one out of the way right now. They say Dan's not a striker. You wait till you see the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> we learned how to throw real well. Real well yeah. Yeah, well, you might, you might, if, if you're sitting across from me though, Jerry, you may have to wear welding goggles because <laughs> I kick some pretty good sparks with that fork hit that plate there at times. Hey, we're talking buffet. I can't wait. I've been in a hardcore training camp, and I've been watching and counting calories and doing everything I can. For training, okay. and, and when you started your training camp, where were you at weight wise? Because I know we talked about this a few few days ago. You were at yeah. one weight, but but you dropped down, but been getting more and more shredded. So where where were you at? Where are you at now? It's been very interesting. So I I, I fluctuated anywhere between that two hundred mark and one ninety five. Um, I found that I was wrestling pretty comfortably at that one ninety five mark. But um, yeah, once I started the training camp uh, and just. The little things, right? Upping your water and stuff like that. Then the weight started to fly off. So currently I'm sitting here at 182. Um, nice. I, I find wow. like I've been eating a little bit more though. I've been trying to up my protein a little bit. Um, but I know as we get to this fight week, I think uh, same thing. I think I'll probably even up my water a little bit more. I'll probably cut a few last things out shed that last little water weight. So who knows? I could be walking in next week, maybe closer to 175. Nice. Wow. Nice. What, what, what is that? I don't even know what Suzuki tips the scale at, at that, that. Um, he's pretty big. Um, I think he's closer to that 220 mark actually. So 220 uh, and, and, and height wise. 510. Yeah, I think that's what he's going these days. So so he's got a few inches on me. And then I think for me with the weight loss is just mainly uh, right now I'm thinking the cardio-wise. I know this guy can go. I've watched all these matches. You know, like you were mentioning Ken Shamrock. He he fought Ken twice. Uh, actually, before UFC 1, before he entered UFC 1, Ken uh, tapped out to Suzuki at UFC – I mean at uh, Pancrase. 
Um, and so I, I just know I, I, the last match I watched with him was against uh, his uh, brother, Frank and Suzuki was on top position dominating for about 25 minutes. He was doing top mounts and side mounts and neon bellies and back mounts and referees position and just about anything he wanted for those 25 minutes. And it, it was uh, pretty impressive. So I, I know his gas tank is going to be phenomenal. So I think the, the dropping of the weight is the main thing for me just to make sure my gas tank doesn't yeah, run. You got, you got the cardio to go, the cardio yeah. to go. So, so this is on October 30th, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sunday, October the 30th, uh, St. Catharines, Ontario. And it, it's a full card. Like the lineups impressive. Like uh, the main event, uh, Impact World Champion Josh Alexander is going to be fighting in a triple threat with Cody Deaner and uh, Jesse Bieber, who's the Canadian Wrestling Federation champion. But there's going to be stars. RVD is going to be there. Bushwhacker Luke is going to be there. Bushwhacker really? Bushwhacker. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Eric Bischoff's going to be there. Uh, so it's quite a good lineup. Uh, so Pay-per-view? Pay how, how would people be able to watch this if they want? Is, is, it, is it televised? No, um, I don't think it's going to be a pay-per-view. Uh, I think the company is working on that. Uh, this It will be filmed. I know it's going to be shown, uh, obviously, here in Canada. Um, I think they're working on some other things, too, because obviously with the streaming services like Impact Plus, I think they'll be filming it. And then there's New Japan World that has this. So uh, my match with Suzuki uh, may be available on New Japan World. So um, I think there'll be some avenues. And then hopefully... Um, shortly after the the event that it can be released uh you know somewhere so everybody can make sure they tape yeah can catch it if they didn't catch it live well what, what about tickets themselves if, if people want to get that ringside seat is there is there a website or something like that that they could go to yeah they can go right to ticketmaster.com uh, ticketmaster.ca depending on where you're living um because obviously we're close enough to the border like anybody from buffalo and rochester can come out it's that's only an hour driving distance from us and um so yeah Ticketmaster and the event is cwf resolution 11 so cwf resolution 11 and that's all taking place on october 30th st catherine's um ontario okay all right there we go <laughs> i have a ticket what what was that missing right now <laughs> jeremy elliott Taking on Suzuki. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, this is a legend. Um, fun story that we've talked about as well in some of the lead-up interviews is Suzuki actually in the early days of Pancrase also tapped out one of my instructors, my uh, catch wrestling coach is Sean Doherty, who uh, was at one point the youngest fighter in UFC where – he entered UFC two at 18, um, but he went over to Suzuki's uh, Pancrase and fought him and lost uh, via Kimura in uh, two minutes. And so we, we've joked that this is a, you know, trying to get some retribution for my sensei 20 years in the Redemption match. Yeah, I think that's great. That, that should be the promo that you should cut. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I believe I sent you uh, the YouTube one. I sent a YouTube one that was uh, put up, and we definitely talk about uh, Sean and then just the the reasons for why I want the Suzuki match. No, great, uh, great opportunity for you, Mr. Jeremy Elliott, and uh, you know, get, you're doing great things at the United Martial Arts. I know I 
I bet you what would you 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 were at that point where you were just if you just rinty build and stuff like that. And now the owner, a great more a great more pride in ownership, and the fact that uh, you've got a home right on on, on the uh, the the real estate makes it that much more sweeter yet. To where now you can be there hands on all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, any any other like. I don't short-term goals or, or long-term goals that you're looking at for the training facility first, and then uh, we'll go back. We'll go back to professional things, but but let's let's go on the training facility here again. Well, since I've been actually uh, combining both, I think I would like to uh, talk about something that's really close and near and dear to me, uh, which is called embrace our journey. So this is actually I was actually out of wrestling for a little bit. I have a godson. Uh, he's my boy. I've raised him ever since he was, uh, you know, days old. And uh, he was born with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which is FASD. And um, so I have spent tons of time with him. And as he's gotten older, he's played football. He's thrown shot put. We've been in the weight room. And uh, at 15, he's six foot three. 315? Wow. Yeah. And actually, sorry. Yeah, I would say closer. Yeah maybe even taller than that. I, I think, I think he's closer to six, five. I think that was, I got to go look. I may have just lied six, five, uh, three twenty, And yeah, it's just 15. Um, so we were doing great things with him. And um, it, it's interesting because we talked about the education system. And uh, when he entered high school, we found that there was a big uh, disconnect between, you know, the high school level and what, you know, special needs may be. And uh, so over, the months of December and January, we started coming up with this embrace our journey. And in January, I actually bought a red pair of wrestling boots. So the reason why I wear red boots is after the FASD campaign asked me about my red boots. And so that's to get the conversation started about FASD. So I figured, okay, I'm going to wear these boots into the ring. And then sure enough, so back in March, I started wrestling and I've been wearing these boots and the campaign has just taken off and it's done so well that we've had some wrestling shows that we've done around here that raise money for the cause. And what are we going to do with this money? This is where the martial arts comes in. The money that we raise from Embrace Our Journey, we put into United Family Martial Arts and offer kids who are on the spectrum, any kids out there who have FASD or on the spectrum or any families that need help, that money will go to sponsoring them. They can come for a, a, a one month membership through our funds. Uh, we could support you by giving you registration. Here's your first month in your uniform. And so the Embrace Our Journey, which started out with just a pair of red boots, is now crossover where we've had uh, FASD day was on September the 9th. We had wrestling seminars. We had karate seminars. We had kickboxing seminars. We had the falls illuminated up red for FASD. And it's just taken off. And I love it. And uh, I want to just make sure we can reach out to as many kids as possible. And as my boy who in December, he started pro wrestling, which is why this started to all take place. I think back that I was just sitting ringside watching him do his first pro wrestling lesson. And if you would have asked me then, here we are 10, 11 months later, oh man, you're going to be headlining a show at the Meridian Center against Minoru Suzuki. I would have thought you were crazy, but this is what we brought to you. And since then, he's actually entered his first uh, battle royal, um, took eight people to eliminate him. 
So uh, he was <laughs> about that. And uh, hopefully he even has a small part in the Meridian Center show as well as they are doing like a pre-show rumble as well. So hopefully he can be a part of that. And um, we're just going to keep sharing this cause. So that's the number one goal is to just keep this embrace our journey going because it's a part of my pro wrestling and it's a part of my martial arts. And it's just to help out more families in our community grow stronger. No, I think that's a great name. Embrace your journey. That's a great name. Mm-hmm. And again, for especially for you know young people and what you're doing with your your godson right there. That's uh that's fantastic. We just uh you know not enough kids get exposed to male role models because it's typically you look at a lot more females are typically the uh the caretaker and uh well, again, I, I'm not sure what, what the stats are in Canada, but it's like in the United States, yeah, marriages, I think, are probably, uh, I don't know, you get probably, I'll say 50, it's probably a 50 to 60% chance it's going to probably end up in, in divorce because yeah. people just going to get married too young. They don't have any real skills uh, or what they're even understanding, what, what marriage is all about. And uh, they, they, they're good at reading reading uh you know repeat after me and, and uh, all these kind of stuff but uh they never really set in to think about you know forever you know so that's uh that that's that's tough uh our our youth have a lot of i think a lot of shortcomings from n- not on their own but because as the adult leadership has kind of dropped the ball around them and it takes a village to raise a child. So we need to strengthen our village. You know, yes. it can't be just these one-on-one things. You know, you don't have to sit in your own little household and develop your own. No, no, no. You got to go out and, like you said, find those positive role models that are out there. And the more positive role models that we can get out there, the better. And even as I stated before, one of my favorite things is trying to find the young kids, the teenagers, who they can develop their own leadership qualities to help other kids because then of course that's even better it's one thing as me as an adult telling a kid that they could do something or this and that but it's way more impactful when a teenager who is closer to their age and is cool that yeah. tells them that as well and says hey you can do this and that's the the ripple effect that's throwing that pebble in the pond and watching the ripple effect because then others are going to help others because they'll always remember who got them there and it's their village and their community. And we need to strengthen that as well. Yeah. Well, again, just like you said, the, the, the peer pressure, because every, every kid wants to kind of just belong uh, to their, their, their group and stuff like that. So if you could get other like-minded kids or, or at least get the kids all thinking the same path and stuff like that, you, you are building the leaders. You're building that leadership quality. Again, overall strong, positive character traits you just said it too all they want to do is belong you know hey i was never a whiz chemistry algebra man they did not that's not what i remember you know and these kids you know after everything that would they've been through these last couple of years just stuffing that down their throat is not the most important they just want to be around their friends again be around their community and belong every kid wants to be accepted and that's what we should all be striving for yep totally agree couldn't have said that that was the perfect perfect analogy there jeremy it goes back to what dan was saying earlier about the, the phones and um how parents are just letting that raise their kids you know oh here watch the screen 
parents need to step up to the plate and raise their kids. That's a, yeah. instead of instead of you know and show their kids right from wrong. And what Jeremy was just saying too, kids just want attention and to be appreciated. They don't know they don't know right from wrong. And then sometimes the only attention kids get is negative. And what do you think they're gonna do? Well, if I'm bad, they give me attention, and they don't even and then they don't even realize that's what they're doing. It's just that's oh well. Every time I do this something bad, they actually pay attention to me. So I'm gonna go smash this or well, you know. And then it's just you know subconscious after a while. So true, so true. Not talked about enough that point right there. Parents need to step up to the plate. Parents need to step up to the plate and don't let other people raise your kids. You need to do it. Yes. It's, you know, and we need to toughen up our next generation. No, it's unfortunate. Leading leading by example is a huge deal. And um, parents are sometimes just being a little bit extra creative too because, yeah, it is a different world with these kids, but you can definitely find so much because that's the one bonus that at least the interweb has. You can find anything online. You can find any information. You know, you don't need to go to the library and read an encyclopedia anymore. It is right here at our fingertips. So if your child's interested in something, you can definitely find out about it because you do have the exact same access that they do. Well, and then it goes back to the parents too. help them, show them what they need to, you know, not what they, what you want them, but what interests them instead of, you know, as a kid, what's going to interest you more learning about history or learning about, you know, watching bums fight on the street or, you know, I mean, just stupid shit, you know, like people are going to, they want to watch the stupid shit. That's not really going to show you what you, and of course that's what you want to do when you have the choice, but you know, there's other things that can interest you. But you got to give them also like a limit of, okay, you can only watch this for this long. You need to learn this first before you can have this fun. And yes, time, learn, learning timetables. Yeah, I think I think that's really important because uh, just like we, as we said earlier, they'll watch that cell phone forever because that's the only interaction or they're on that laptop forever. I mean, even, even as adults, we live in a very isolated society because most people are under laptops. They're interacting with that laptop set to where people don't know how to look each other in the eye. They don't know how to shake hands anymore. But of course, well, last couple of years, you weren't even allowed to make hand-to-hand type of contact with that because they're all afraid of six feet social distancing and the things of that nature because they're all afraid of spreading the, the COVID viruses and things of that nature. So again, got to get back to some type of more normal activities. Absolutely. You can combine it. You can use it. So I even think like, I know parents really harp on the video game thing, but there's actually a lot where some of these kids who are playing things like call of duty, it is actually helping them learn some things where they're, they could tell you all of the histories of the world wars and what dates and where, and Oh, they could tell you what that, plane is in the sky different so types of guns that. and magazines yeah. so you can take that when you end up all of a sudden okay so in buffalo we have a navy shipyard okay so now my kid that's been playing those video games let's go down to the navy shipyard let's walk on those uss ships and let's see what they're all about live and in person so i don't care you can go back after and play some video games but we're gonna spend a day out we're gonna go get some burgers and we're gonna walk around the navy yard and you can experience what you've been watching on tv live and see it and feel you know what it's like to be there yeah no you said it perfectly because you gave them okay they've been playing it on on this on the screen and now they they get to actually touch it walk on it see it for for live in a person that makes that's a, a very awesome experience in itself yes absolutely 
Yep. So, so Dan was talking about uh, role models and inspiration. So, what about you, Jeremy? Who uh, who inspired you, or or to get into this industry, or someone you looked up to? To um, so as I said, I started my journey because of the Karate Kid movies, and I wanted to compete. Um, who was your Miyagi? My well, my number one. I just want to go. I got to give it up. It's my mom. My mm -hmm. mom. Um, she's got a wonderful story too. She was a bipolar woman who um, she actually found out she was pregnant with me while she was in the mental hospital. But it was right there that she made the decision and committed to uh, make sure I lived the best life possible. You know, I, I grew up with a single mom, poor, on welfare. But when we found that martial arts connection, she she found my way out. She, she made sure I wasn't going to be another statistic by getting me to the martial arts classes. And we didn't have no car. I didn't get drove to classes. She fed me after school and I walked down to the bus stop and I went to go train. Wow. And, um, I mean, you did that at what age? I mean, you, that, that was like seven. Did you say uh, seven? Seven to 10 years old. I was walking to that wow. bus stop all the time. Yeah. Uh, until maybe I guess in the summer, sometimes I could ride my bike down there, you know, which is also probably something that's unheard of these days is throwing a, their kid at 10 years old on a bike or uh, a bus to go somewhere. Yeah, okay. You know. A bike could be that. Be that uh, you mean a, a motorized bike, or, or, oh, no, or, or I'm, I'm or, riding my ten speed. I'm riding. Well, again, I, I be I be facetious because most kids now they don't know how to actually physically uh -huh. pedal. <laughs> they jump on these electric scooters. They uh -huh. jump on everything is everything is mobile. Yeah, you know? and I was actually almost looking at one. Uh, my river back here, I saw an electric surfboard, a motorized surfboard. I thought, ah, that'd be kind of cool running down my river, but. Um, but yeah, just jetting back. It's my mom. That was my role model. And then um, I lucked out to have a community, to have a village that supported me. And I, I could sit in the back of a van. I could sit on the floor of a van and I could sleep on the hotel room floors of wherever we traveled. But I got a chance to compete um, when I was in high school. I was, I was everywhere. I, I saw Winnipeg, Manitoba. I saw Washington, D.C., Chicago, Illinois, Tennessee. I was in Cookville, Tennessee, where the hotel was in one time zone and the auditorium was in the other time zone. And um, all of this, I, I think, really developed the, me to be who I am because I saw these other communities. I saw other people. And as we all know, you know, whether it's the wrestling mats or a weight room, it's all similar, the football field where at this moment we're all together. We're in this as a team. There's no race. There's no religion. There's no classes. There's no rich or poor, black and white. And this is something that I learned from being on the roads. And so to me, I think that's some of the most valuable stuff that I learned growing up. Nice. Like I said, it's just, uh, you know, you got, you got a great story. A lot of you had some good support, but, but also but you had, you had a strong mob that uh, it made certain that uh, you had opportunities. So it wasn't, wasn't any kind of traditional household that you grew up into, but uh, you there know. There is nothing there, traditional. There, there's, there's not very many households that are very traditional anymore. That the, the, the days of watching the Waltons, you know, that's that's long gone. You know, we, we yeah. live in that, that world, but I think as we started in the beginning of, of our conversation that the uh, the family dynamic has has changed. There, there isn't really a mom and a dad, and they're sitting around there. And dad's got his pipe in his, his mouth and stuff like that. No, that that uh, that era is gone. And uh, so, 
Men, men got to be cooks in, in the kitchen just as well as what women are have to be cooks and the, the whole night. And then usually both people are, are in the workplace on top of all of that. Yeah, I I'm, think a, the, I'm a better cook than any woman I've ever been with. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Tony's, Tony's a pretty good cook there, Jerry. I've been <laughs> down to Dow Price Open a few times. Cody's put, put, uh, puts out quite the spread there. So he, he uh, is. What, he what's is on good. the Arizona barbecue out there? What is in that menu? Oh, man. Um, we love the, the smoke, smoked, smoked pork, um, and then sausages, uh, ribs. Yeah. There's some good places out here. You gotta love the barbecue. We got a, oh, I got a, I got a Traeger in my backyard that can make some pretty mean ribs. Let me really? tell you. Ooh. So when are we having an Arizona get together? Mr. Saffron, when are you going back out to Arizona? Well, actually, I, well, I'm, I'm slowly migrating that way. I, I'm in Chicago right now. I'll be. Uh, I, I just drove in this evening, and I will be doing uh, a couple seminars tomorrow, and uh, then on Sunday. I, I, you know, if, if you saw how packed up my vehicle is, it's kind of like going. I look like the Beverly Hillbillies going down the road. But I, I've had right out to Arizona, and I will be out there for the winter months. Things Not that I will be to the top of your roof and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I mean it's uh yeah, I mean it's uh Tony Tony has a lot of fun when I just say, hey Tony, use your imagination, come up with some kind of a comical picture. He, he's got all kinds of yeah, he's got he's got <laughs> all kinds of uh, stuff all over the the vehicle, even like a dead animal, which yep. uh, I mean it really wasn't too far of a stretch because. One of my last trips to Wyoming this past summer, um, I, I came face to face with either an antelope, mule deer, or a deer. It didn't stop to identify itself, but it totaled out my vehicle in a process. Oh, wow. No, so that was a scary experience. I've never had a airbag go off in my face like that. So that's again, we 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 wow. talked about that before, but uh, that that was how I, I was actually getting a little cocky with the. Uh, because I, I I made such good time driving from uh, I think I was from Coldwater, Michigan all the way to uh, Cody, Wyoming, and uh, that I was gonna get it early that morning. I actually called the the the, the promoter that was putting everything together. I said, you know that uh, Jeremy, I, I'm gonna be at at the hotel. My sister's won't we stop by? Why don't you stop by? We we'll have a cup of coffee together. Probably half hour later, boom. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and there was nobody in Arizona. What's that? I said, hopefully smooth sailings. No, no, it'll be. I've made that trip so many times, I could probably do it uh, in my sleep. <laughs> so, yeah, as long as nothing's jumping out at you, for sure. Yeah, I would exactly. love to come down there and see you guys one day. I would love to, especially yeah, we'll you know, uh, the cold of Canada. I would like to get down to, to some of that Arizona beautiful warm well, weather. Yeah, yeah, especially with again, Jeremy, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more intelligent there towards like, I don't want to be in Michigan during the winter time, even though the state motto is it's called the the water winter wonderland. Well, I like the water aspect. Um, I I just don't like the the winter aspects anymore. I the the, the novelty of driving in snow is long gone. Mm -hmm. uh, simply going out to your car to scrape a window or to start it on up, and and even when you try to start that car, the car goes uh uh. uh Oh, because it's cold too, you know. Yep. Does so, your um does your lake the water around your lake freeze? Is it that cold over there? Oh, in in, in Michigan. Yeah, around oh, yeah, your, no, on it, your it, island. Yeah, you know, it it'll all be it'll all be frozen. 
Oh, Jeremy, what, what Tony's talking about is like, basically a little over three years ago, I ended up buying another property. Uh, I have my trade facility that's now in Coldwater, Michigan, but over in Howell, Michigan, which is roughly about an hour and a half drive away, kind of north, uh, north uh, east of uh, Coldwater. Um, I ended up, I, I found better than a uh, waterfront property. I ended up buying an island. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it's so I know people when they say they hear it about it. No, it's not in the Caribbean or nothing like that. It's inside the United States. It's on freshwater. I I would be nervous if I had an island in the Caribbean because when you're swimming out in the ocean, there's lots of things out in that ocean that can hurt you and or kill you or, or eat you. And I'm going, you know, I simply know that when I'm out there in my little floaty. In, in, in my lake, I don't have to worry about nothing coming <laughs> after me. Well, that sounds like a great time, too, for sure. Yes. I'm sure you enjoy that in the summertime. It's got to be yeah, beautiful. It is. It's, uh, I take some pictures of it over and over time, and it's, uh, it's turned into a much more beautiful property over the course of three summers. And, and literally, even as I was closing it down, uh, I, I really, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I, I'm already like, missing it because I, I know – the additional projects I want to be working on just to keep bringing up another level, you know? So. Yeah. Always. I refer to it. I refer to it as Gilligan's Island. And I think I'm Gilligan half the time there because I'm just a big goofball that's on there that I never owned a boat before. I, I owned a canoe is the, is the <laughs> most, you know, now I've got a pontoon boat to get to and fro. And, oh. and so, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. The neighbors, no one can just simply just, Drop that in at you because they need a boat to come and see you. Yeah, floating around on that pontoon would be great. You got to put some mats on it, bring some mats over to the island. You could have some little island fights and stuff like I, that. I have a sand volleyball court that I've already I've had because uh, I, I contacted the, the local high school wrestling coach. And so I introduced myself as coming to an area. He knew I was. I go, uh, I also need some lay. Laborers and wrestlers are good workers. Like because I again, I totally knows that I haul dirt and stuff like that over there, and I don't mean just a little bit of dirt. I'll have a, a dump truck drop like 10, 10 yards, which is the biggest dump truck that they have, and uh, it'll take you know three four days, and that that ten yards of dirt is gone. I, I I'm a proud owner of forty. I think I have thirty five to forty orange five gallon Home Depot buckets so i literally you're, you're shoveling on shore you're, you're showing these buckets then you grab the dolly and you wheel it over onto the uh pontoon boat you set them all on there and the, the pontoon boat will hold about uh, just about close to 30 of them is, is what it will hold before it sets mighty low in the water and i don't want to <laughs> don't want to sink the, the pontoon boat as it go across and literally that's how i'm putting in you know different types of uh trees and things of that nature because it's 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 very interesting ground that's there because there's a lot of trees and other vegetation but when you try to dig a hole it's not like digging a hole in a normal yard because the roots are everywhere they're looking for soil and and, and i could actually throw you know say six or eight inches of dirt on top of something and literally in, in just a couple months time you go back there to try to dig and you'd be surprised how many roots have already grown into those areas. Oh, because wow. it's just, it's like, 
it can only it, it, it can't really go out into water. It it needs it needs something right there. So I look at that. It's an investment into my property, but again, it's what I, mean, I do is just a little bit of uh, beautification and raising the value of the property. But then I just do a thing to where like this coming summer to be a little a little shed that I could put in things, but I, I I need a studio so I could do set up and, and to have stuff like what Tony's got. He's got he's got a nice setup there with the American flag and and usually there's all kinds of tomahawks and guns and the whole nine yards because uh we're we're we're, we're true Americans where we uh, oh, there you go. Know. So yeah, you see, yeah, you see the you see all the weaponry now. Yes, yes, absolutely. So yeah, it's yeah. a sweet setup. That's a good setup. Yeah. But we've been here talking to Jeremy Elliott, and he is the proud owner of the uh, United Martial Arts Training Facility. He, he's the, no longer renting. He's the actual owner of it, where they teach all kinds of great character, character traits uh, in the martial arts fields, uh, classes for both kids and adults. And uh, he also has a great uh, opportunity coming up here on October 30th at St. Catherine's. Uh, Ontario, he will be taken on Suzuki in a professional wrestling match here, and it will be a pancreation style match. Yeah, I'm assuming that's the the as we said earlier, the part of the smorgasbord buffet that we're going to bring to the table. Um, obviously, I'm going to go with whatever he brings, and uh, like I said, if he wants to strike we're gonna strike if he wants to grapple we're gonna grapple who knows he may you know chuck a chair at my head as well so i'll be ready for that you just never know when it comes to the wacky world of professional wrestling as to what is going to happen and if folks uh wanted to get tickets in advance or uh, where would they go tickets Uh, on sale now at ticketmaster.ca or ticketmaster.com depending on what side of the border you're from um there are still some floor seats available i believe that uh will get you into an early meet and greet and as we said earlier you got superstars like rob van dam and uh eric bischoff bushwhacker luke are all going to be in attendance so they'll be doing a meet and greet uh there'll be a couple pre-show matches and then um i want to say seven o'clock is the first bell time and uh, it's going to be an amazing card like i said impact world champion josh alexander's there and uh, hopefully it's our big arena. We're going to sell out as many seats as we possibly can. It will be definitely uh, one of the biggest independent wrestling uh, shows in Canadian history. I can guarantee that. Fantastic. And, and, and Jeremy is coming from us live from right there in uh, Niagara Falls, Canada, as he's at his training facility, the United Martial Arts training facility for kids' classes, adult classes, and uh, if they want, if parents and our kids want to find out more information about that, go to your website. www.ufmaniagara.com for more information. Fantastic. Tony, any other questions? I think we're good. That was good. Any yeah, other things that you want to do that you want to promote here, Jeremy? Well, we'll, so we'll get we got to get Jeremy out here. We'll make it happen. We'll make you some some good old Arizona barbecue. I would love to come out. Uh, that's a definite deal. I'm going to hold you guys to that. Um, I thought you was going to offer yeah. like you know maybe like uh, some uh, 
slightly, slightly uh, roasted, you know, scorpions, and then maybe yeah. a little rattlesnake uh, no, or something like I, that. Uh, that's what I was talking. What do you think Arizona barbecue is? Oh, hey, there you go. Hey, there if you it's go. meat, we'll go over. I'm a carnivore. Some roadkill uh, stew, some squirrel. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm sure by the sounds of it, if you got all these smokers and stuff like that, you got some sauce seasoning and smoke. Right. going to be delicious. Know. You won't even know. No, I won't care either. No, for nope. sure. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get together. We will break bread and we'll do another episode of Toxic Masculinity. It's been a true honor and pleasure to have Mr. Jeremy Elliott on tonight's episode this basically concludes another episode of toxic masculinity if we have to offend or defend anyone here tonight well put your man panties back on because we're men talking about manly things here and you still have the right to watch us or not that's right all right thanks jeremy Sign it appreciate off. it <laughs> it was awesome Take care there, jeremy yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.